0: That's www.activeskinrepair.com code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. You're listening to episode number 53. This is one of my favorite topics to get nerdy on. I am talking today about what I look at when I'm assessing tiny human development and I guess really when I'm screening. So if I want to make sure kiddos are set up for success in life and that they are in a place where they are going to be able to learn and absorb whatever content comes their way, I believe that the triangle of growth needs to be in a solid place first. And that if it isn't, and that if any part of it isn't, every other part will be off. And if that happens, it will be very hard for kids to learn content down the road, or we might see other challenges for them. This isn't meant to be from a place of fear, but rather from a place of understanding and intention when we're looking at kiddos behavior. So if I'm seeing that a kiddo is struggling in one area in the triangle, then I want to look at the other areas too and see if it's just one area or what the root of the problem is. Sometimes an emotional development challenge is really a sensory challenge or a language challenge. Sometimes a language challenge is really a sensory challenge. So there it is, guys. Those are the three. We'll dive in in depth in this episode. Let's do this thing. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blas Campbell. When I look at tiny human development, I'm looking at three areas of development specifically. For me, there are three things that I call the triangle of growth that can set kiddos up for a lifetime of success. If these three things are working well together, I think kiddos can flourish and have the opportunity to absorb whatever content we throw their way. Are you ready for the triangle of growth? The first thing I'm looking at in a tiny human is their sensory system. Right now you're using your sensory system. Everybody is all the time. When you're sitting there, your bottom might be on a chair, or maybe you're walking and your feet are touching the ground and you can feel the air around you. You have me coming into your earbuds, or maybe you're listening in the car, and you can also hear sounds around you, and you are watching for other cars and taking note of everything around you your senses, hence sensory system. So your sensory system we talk in depth about in episode four, which is honestly, like no joke, one of my favorite episodes of all time because Lori Goodrich is an occupational therapist. Um, I'm going to refer to her as an OT. She is amazing and she totally believes in this triangle of growth that I've made up as well. And... She dives into what the sensory system is and what it's doing. So afterwards, if you want to learn more about the sensory system, head over to episode four from last year and tune in to learn more. She is a wealth of knowledge. But essentially, I want you to picture that you are standing outside in the cold without a jacket on next to a loud train station where the trains keep moving and yours is going to be coming, but you don't know when. Now add in that it's getting close to dinner and bedtime and you're not sure if you'll be home in time. Okay, now somebody's talking to you and gesturing as the train horns sound. You can't hear them. You can't understand their words. You can't even focus on them because you're cold The sounds around you from the train are way too loud and intense and distracting for you to focus on their voice. You are feeling scared, maybe a little nervous because you're not sure if you're going to get home in time. Also, you're a little cranky because it's bedtime and you're hungry and you don't know how this problem's going to end. You don't know when you're going to eat, you don't know when you're going to get to sleep. You don't know when you're going to get to go home. This is the triangle of growth at work. So your sensory system, the emotional development system, and speech and language. So we have your sensory system as we described, and then I am looking at your emotional development. Are you able to process emotions? Say your sensory system is working really well, things are good. Are you able to process your emotions? Do you let yourself feel them and know what to do from there? Are you recognizing vocabulary or gestures or signs related to feelings vocabulary? Are you secure in feeling your feelings? Are you comfortable with letting yourself feel because you know you have the tools to get to other feelings? You know other feelings exist and you can get back there. And then do you tap into coping strategies to help your body process the emotion? Not a coping mechanism so that you stop feeling, so that you numb it, so that you silence it, but a coping strategy so that you can process it. If that's happening and then you're able to move on and problem-solve, Awesome. The next thing that I'm looking at to make sure development is trucking right along is speech and language. I think of this as the basis of being in community. As humans, we're naturally community folks. I think that sometimes shy or we'll refer to it as introverted get named that because the other things might not be flourishing. So if your sensory system gets overloaded by a bunch of people talking to you, or even just being in a busy space with a lot of people all day, then it's really hard for you to sit down and have a conversation with somebody because you're feeling exhausted because your sensory system worked so hard to process all the things all day long. So let's back up and say, okay, your sensory system is working really well. Your emotional foundation is in place. Some key things to note for language development, I'll give you three. Use nouns instead of pronouns. So when we're talking to kids, instead of, oh, do you want more of that? You can say, oh, do you want more water? I'll go get it, Joey. Also, next step two: provide two choices rather than a yes or no question. So instead of, would you like more water? And waiting for a yes or no, you can say, would you like water? Or milk, and you can also pair the sign or the gesture with it for kiddos who who don't have the verbal language yet. Match your tone and your body language with your verbal language, and bring empathy to the table. So this one's loaded, but essentially, you can say all the right words and still not validate somebody. When I and want to connect with a tiny human? I'm gonna put my whole body and my voice into it. Oh no, you fell down. Oh man, that's so frustrating. You were trying to walk and you fell down, and then just sit there, and then you'll start to see them connect with you, and if their body calms and they're coping. Great, let them cope. If they need support, you could say, Ugh, I can see that you're still really mad that you fell down when you were trying to walk. Would you like a hug to help you feel calm? Or would you like space? So you can provide that coping strategy for them, and then once they're calm, you can say, Are you ready to try again? These kiddos are ridiculously resilient empathy. So there's a difference between, and this is something that I've been developing. So it has evolved for me and it's something I'm working on being really mindful of, but empathy is where we find validation, right? So it's how we validate a kiddo's emotion or an adult's emotion. It's not the like, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way, because that almost has like a silent but, or it's sympathetic, And I want to go with empathy here. So you don't have to have experienced the same thing or even feel the same way about this situation that the other person does. But if you've ever felt that feeling, so you've been working really hard on something and then it fails. It's really frustrating when you've put in all that effort and it fails. It may be disappointing. You might get mad. Those feelings... what you're relating to here. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week, or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive, skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com slash VILLAGE and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash VILLAGE, promo code VILLAGE Visit betterhelp.com voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel pcom voices. So when we are bringing empathy to the table, we only have to know what it feels like to feel that thing in order to be empathetic. You don't have to agree with why they feel it. And it's definitely not a time to discuss whether or not you agree with why they feel it uh, when they're in the middle of feeling it. I mean, that's the whole point of this is that when we're emotion coaching, kiddos are in their amygdala brain and we're helping them get back to the prefrontal cortex, which involves emotion processing. And then they can make rational decisions using the prefrontal cortex as rational as like a two-year-old can make a decision then you're making sure we're not layering these emotions on top of each other. If we just distract a kid or they turn to a coping mechanism, in my experience, then I usually see that kiddo with another big emotional expression not long after because they've essentially gone from a 10 down to an 8, and I want them to process the whole thing so they're not just living in an 8 really easily going back up to a 10. Okay. So those are my language tips for supporting kiddos here. I'm not looking at gross motor development to make sure kids hit milestones or that they crawl or they walk a certain way because I just want them to. I'm looking at it because if they are butt scooting or they're army crawling, I want to know why. I want to know why... Their arms and legs aren't communicating with their core to say, hey, let's crawl over there in the way that their body's designed to do. Because I want to make sure that there isn't a roadblock for them within their sensory system that will come out in other ways later. It's not because I care how they crawl. It's because I want to set them up for long-term success, and I really, really, really wish we would get rid of the freaking judgment around getting any additional support services, birth to five, or really ever, but we have this opportunity to lay a foundation for our kids that can serve them for a lifetime, and we can add those things in later, but man, is it harder to go back and change things and make new habits and fix stuff than it is to just lay this foundation from the beginning. So I'm looking at all these things to say, are there any red flags? I look at that sensory system when I'm looking at gross motor. Are they walking, quote unquote, on time? Because not, again, not because I need them to like be on par with other kids or whatever. It's because I want to make sure their sensory system is working to its fullest potential because if not, I want to do an OT eval and make sure that we're getting this kiddo all the support they need to turn on their sensory system because otherwise it can affect their emotional development. It can affect their language development. In that trained scenario, their sensory system is not allowing them to tap into that language so sometimes I see kiddos, in fact, uh, I, the more I've learned about the sensory system, the more I'm noticing this, that when I'm seeing language delays for kiddos, it's often coming back to the sensory system. If you're working really, really hard to get your body to do what you want it to do or to process the information around you, or you're looking at that art table and there are so many materials on it, or there's even just paint and brushes, but you don't know how to interact with them, your brain has to, typically your brain will say, okay, walk over, grab that brush, play with it. You might put it in your mouth. You might, you'll explore with it to see what you can do. It takes a lot of organizational skills to do that. And that comes back to your sensory system. If you're focused on doing those things and saying, oh, I need to coordinate my arms and my legs so that I can crawl. If your sensory system isn't automatically doing that stuff, it's very, very, very hard to focus in on language And build that. And then from there, to listen to what people are saying and build your emotional development. The world can feel very overwhelming. And so, my goal is that we aren't looking at things like gross motor delays and saying, oh, they'll walk when they walk, or everyone develops on their own timeline. Sure, there's a range. It's not like, oh, on your eight month birthday, you crawl. However, when it's outside of that range or when it's not happening with like typical form, I want to know why. I want to know why because I want to support that kid so that it doesn't come in their way as they continue to develop. When I'm looking at a tiny human who is struggling with emotional development and building that emotional foundation I'm looking at these other two pieces of the puzzle. I'm looking at the full triangle because they are all so darn connected. And sometimes with our language, the goal isn't emotion processing. So that's part of it too—is knowing when are we trying to help kids process an experience and an emotion that they're having, and when are we just trying to get through this? Because to be honest, they're not going to process. Oh, I'm hungry. Until they've eaten. You're not like coach, emotion coaching them through this. Their sensory system isn't going to calm and let them process until they're not hungry anymore. So when I set a kiddo down to go make a bottle or to go heat it up, I'm saying, Oh, I hear that you're so mad. You really want to eat right now. It's so frustrating when you're hungry and your bottle isn't ready. I'm going to heat it up right now. I'm not staying and talking to them while I do this. I'm going to make their bottle so that their sensory system can regulate again. Helping our kiddos regulate their sensory system, I think, is one of the greatest gifts we can give them. Teaching them how to do that. And it starts with us. And We have to learn how to regulate our own sensory systems before we can teach them how to regulate theirs. Having SAGE-approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system, and I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the 6-plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. All of the knowledge that I have about sleep science, child development, and all the things about this, all the information that goes into my sleep presentations and that I bring to a sleep consult, everything is in this sleep course called Active Kiddos, Sleepy Parents, because duh, and I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it to my email list though first. Those folks are gonna have first dibs on this course for an introductory price. And the first 25 people get a $50 discount off of the course. If you wanna be one of the first 25 people to snag this course at that special price, come join our email list right now. Seedandso.org. come join the village. I'll slide into your inbox with a hot deal so that you can set your kiddos up for success for a lifetime when it comes to snoozing. Not to mention, we're all better at responding to these tiny humans when we aren't sleep deprived. Sleep is crucial for immune support and development and our emotional support. So come on over, join the email list, be one of the first people to snag this course when it launches at the end of January. Can't wait to see you there. If you are tuning in and you're like, okay, I want to learn more about this. First of all, go to episode four, listen to the podcast episode with Lori, and then go over to episode 10 with an SLP, a speech language pathologist, whom I adore. Also, she has a delightful British accent, so enjoy that. Uh, Sarah Friel from episode 10 went into the entire language development system. She created a language development guide for you that is on the website and red flags for kids' speech. When are they doing what and when are they not doing these things? What does it look like? And what are the steps that you use from there? Sarah created so many amazing delicious resources and you got to go snag them. So, if you go to the to our website voicesofyourvillage.com and there's a little like search like magnifying glass, you can just click on that bad boy and type in speech or language development, anything like that and it'll pull up all of the episodes or blog posts we have related to speech and language and you can tune into Sarah's episode from there. It's called All Things Language Development with SLP Sarah Friel. You can tune in right from there. And you can also check out the blog post because she has like a language guide on there for what to expect at different ages and stages. At what point are we looking at red flags? What are those red flags? What are the age markers? I think it was like eight or nine months she had an age marker, 15 months, two years, and three years, I think. Of like if you're not seeing X Y and Z at those ages, uh, it's a red flag, and we should be looking into uh, what the root of it is, and uh, potentially a speech and language support and an evaluation. So check those out for starters. Then if you still have questions, and you're like, okay, now I feel like the more I've listened to this and the more I've learned about it, I have some concerns about my kiddo sensory system or emotional development or language development. Come on over, you can. Always shoot me an email, Alyssa at org. You can pop into our Facebook group, Seed and so, colon, Voices of Your Village, and drop in questions. We have an OT and an SLP in that group who can tag team and help answer questions or troubleshoot with you as much as possible to see if an eval would be beneficial. I really, really want to reduce the stigma of getting support. Every single person has an individualized education plan. Every single person learns differently and absorbs information differently and needs to learn how they best learn, if that makes sense. Waiting to see if it's a phase or if it'll go away, not my favorite thing in the world. Also, most states, maybe all of them, we'll check this out, I'll throw it in the blog post, most states have free early intervention. So from 0 to 3, if you qualify for an evaluate you do an evaluation and if you qualify for services, they're free to you. Where a specialist is coming and helping build your kiddo's toolbox and yours so that when the specialist isn't there, you can be doing these things with your kid and we can change how the brain works. When you're young, so we're developing 80% of the brain by the time you're three and 90% by the time you're five. If we can get into these brains and lay a solid foundation and kind of rework this wiring, if you will, early on, we can change the game entirely. So I'd really like to take away the stigma or whatever that crap is. I don't have any patience for it. Like, it's your job to be your tiny human's advocate. And If you are a person who's ever been judgy about somebody else receiving services, you have your own emotion processing to do here because that parent is advocating for their kid to lay a solid foundation and thrive in this world, and kudos to that parent for being their child's advocate. It's not about you failing as a parent or... There being anything wrong with your child, nobody has all of these answers. Nobody is a developmental specialist and an SLP and an OT and all the things that tiny humans need to develop in the early years. We get to be these detectives and say, okay, are there any roadblocks for them? Oh, I see something that might be great. How can we best support them now? So it's not a roadblock down the, down the road. It's literally a game changer, guys. So take a look at this triangle of growth, dive into episode four and episode 10, and then there are a billion emotional development ones. If you go into voicesofyourvillage.com, on the right-hand side, there are little boxes and one of them says, tiny humans, big emotions. I think it has like a green border. If you click that, it'll give you all the blog posts and all the episodes that are about emotional development. So you can dive right in. And then coming out of this, guys, come chat on the gram or on Facebook, send me an email. I'm happy to support you and connect you. That's the whole point of this village. You don't have to do this alone. In fact, I think the strongest parents aren't trying to do it alone. They're tapping into their village. You've got one waiting for you. Come on over. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search seed and sow, colon, Voices of Your Village, and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars, and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you.
1: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning